Our communion meditation is in Colossians 3. I'll read verses 1 through 7 of Colossians 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray, please, have your Holy Spirit open our eyes, open our ears. Uh, fill our minds with understanding that we would know better how to serve you faithfully on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So two weeks ago we had covered verses 1 through 4. And uh, the first four verses emphasized us and the fact that we are with Christ in heaven. And the title of the message was Hidden with Christ. We are hidden with Christ in God in heaven. And so now we come to verses 5 through 7, and we see that though we are, and the reality is that we are hidden with uh, Christ in God in heaven, uh, yet here we are. We are still on earth. And so uh, our members which are on the earth are distinguished then from that which is with Christ in heaven. So uh, it's... It's no wonder that we can have this kind of opening within which cults can drive trucks to abuse Scripture and have us to really come away with a a big misunderstanding as to what exactly is going on. Is the Spirit lovely and wonderful, and is our flesh uh, hateful, and and, uh, were the Greeks right in kind of properly separating the two? and, and, uh, And then it leads us on this earth to kind of regard the flesh as temporary, ephemeral, uh, something that will be dispensed with anyway, so what do we care? So then you can really uh, absolve yourself of having to live a life of holiness, because who cares anyway? It's only flesh. But see, that is certainly not what Jesus taught, that is certainly not what Paul taught, and it's certainly not what we teach. But there is this reality where we have a foot in heaven and we have a foot on the earth, and we're torn. Both realities are true. Both realities are now true. And so the reality of the former, the reality of the fact that we are in heaven with Christ is to inform and drive our conduct here on the earth, in this flesh, the flesh that still uh, tricks us and deceives us into serving Satan as opposed to Christ. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. So we're to put those members to death that are on the earth. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God is coming. 
It's not something that we tend to dwell on. It's not something, certainly, that culture wants to dwell on. In movies, you often have suspense. In a horror movie or in a thriller, you often have the director use music and dialogue and the cinematography to create this sense of suspense. It's exactly what they want to do with you. So when you read, the wrath of God is coming, you ought to have that sense of suspense, that sense of knowing to expect something. Now, the directors often trick us. They'll have that moment of suspense pass without event and then slam us with something that is meant to then shock you. You now are past that point where you were worried about it, and it just slams you. And I believe that is true of us in life as well. It just happens naturally as a side effect of how we live our lives. Jesus had warned about the great tribulation. Paul is here warning of the great tribulation. There is wrath coming. There's this temporal wrath that was going to come and end the whole Jewish religion as they then knew it, closed the door on that, and that happened. Yet there is also this reality in which this wrath is always coming. There's always wrath coming upon sons of disobedience. In Acts 24, Jesus, uh, Paul was before Felix, and this is what, what was said. And after some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Now that's what I do in horror movies. I close my eyes. I stop turning them on. I'm not a fan of horror movies. I've happened to have seen a few, but that's what I do. I want to, it to go away. I want to ignore it. I want to put it away. And see, God's long-suffering with sons of disobedience can lend itself to that. People don't want to face it, and so... They put it aside. They put it out of mind. When people are diagnosed with a terminal illness, um, what is it that they often say? You might have seen it in a movie. You might have experienced it. But people, especially if they're younger, they think, I always thought I'd have more time. You know, people ought not die in their 30s, 40s, 50s. It's always 10 or 15 years beyond where your present age is right now at least. So see, you always think you'll have more time. It's just this doesn't happen. But see, when we do that, uh, and typically it's of unbelievers, but I believe believers do it as well, we will put off things. But so when we do that, when we put stuff off over and over and over again, we become desensitized to it. It now no longer has that same sense of of awe and fear that it once had. And so all that stuff has gone into the closet year after year, decade after decade for the unbeliever, and they don't ever open it. Even when facing death, they don't 
want to open it. They've lived in denial all their lives. Why should I bother accepting reality now? Why should I deal with this? Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So God's wrath comes upon disobedience. There is always disobedience to be judged. As long as fallen man has breath in his lungs, there will always be this promise and this trepidation of God's wrath coming upon them. But what does Paul say concerning the believer? In which you yourselves once walked. And so he's pointing to it as having been in the past for all of the people that he's writing to, all of these people that have embraced faith. It's all in the past. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness. Now, we know that these at time trip us up. Yet Paul is very clearly referring to all of this as having been in our past. These are in which we once walked. We've set them aside. We've, 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 uh, we know better is a good way of reflecting on it. So now, see, there is this reality then. Verse 3 said this, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. But then he goes on to talk about having to, to crucify our flesh, to put to death our members, that which is in our members still. And he emphasizes in seven, in which you once walked. So habitual life pattern. So see, that's our ongoing task, is to be ongoing in the putting to death of that which should be in our past and which is in our past. Our future glory with Christ is now hidden in heaven with God. So that future glory that we have is invisible. It's invisible to us 99% of the time. It's invisible to the unbeliever all the time. They can't relate to what motivates us as believers in God. And we, I believe, can fall into the trap in thinking that our crucifixion of our members on earth might also be something that can remain invisible. Yet it really can't. I think God insists that it be brought out into the open. Crucifixion, and really when it comes down to it, until recently, all people that were executed for capital crimes, it was all meant to be a public spectacle. Crucifixion was a public spectacle. It was meant to cause all of society to look upon these people with hatred. I'm not like them. I didn't do what they did. They deserve this. And if I were to do what they did, I deserve it too. It's always meant to be a deterrent to crime. And yet, our crucifixion of our sin, of our flesh, of the passions that are described here, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, these are in many ways to be publicly crucified by us. These aren't something that we can just do on the side. It has to reflect us our lives, our choices. It has to be something that we see in the past. And when it's in our mind, in our present, and people see it, we crucify it publicly. I could talk about a political candidate right now that I won't bother going into detail about. But so see, Christ was crucified publicly for us. He was made a spectacle for us. We are 
then made spectacles in crucifying our members for Christ on this earth. We might want it to all be done on the sly because we don't want to be made a spectacle. Nobody wants to be. But yet God will at times make us spectacles, especially if we condone sin in ourselves, if we embrace sin in ourselves. God will make sure to make us a spectacle for our good, for the protection of his kingdom. So when we come to the table, that's what we're doing. We're crucifying our flesh. We are casting all of this upon Christ. And we're embracing the fact that we are hidden with him in heaven. And so I call you to do that, to crucify the flesh, to serve him in that way. Lord, we thank you for your kindness to us. Uh, We who do not deserve your uh, gifts, we do not deserve your forgiveness and mercy, and yet you bestow it upon us. Lord, you do this uh, not for the thanks that we can give you, but for the end result. Yes, it is good for us to give thanks to the Lord for his mercy to us. And yet, Father, that is a result of what has happened. Uh, What you purchased for us is this uh, beauty of a relationship that we have with you and that we ought to uh, value highly as the most valuable thing on earth. It's what Asia Bibi and so many like her have faced uh, throughout their lives in having to be imprisoned on your behalf in a country that hates you, amongst peoples that hate you. And, uh, Lord, the world is still filled with such communities. And so we pray, Father, that you would have us to be and uh, to uh, accept and embrace this public crucifixion of sin and and immorality, uh, to be made a spectacle for others to see uh, such that we can be your ambassadors, uh, your sons and daughters on this earth. We thank you for your gifts to us in Christ's name. Amen.